Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing, and today I'm joined by Jono Alderson, Head of Insight at Linkdex. Uh, Jono, tell us a bit about, about you and about what you do at Linkdex. Sure. So um, I've got a background in agency SEO and analytics, which are obviously very closely related, and I came, um, brought them together and established um, a team at 26 in Leeds, a large internet marketing agency, um, the largest one in the north no one's ever heard of, bizarrely. Um, and grew up a team focusing on how SEO overlapped with analytics and um, and very strongly um, focused on technical SEO and process and working with big organizations. So I came to LinkedIn to bring some of that thinking and experience to help them shape their insights team, which is a bit of R&D and a bit of product development and really um, taking that understanding of how enterprise and big business SEO and analytics works and all the politics that comes with that to help shape our offering um, in the form of the product itself and obviously bits of consultancy and general steering on on how to um, how to best be effective in that work and how to support people who are trying to fight through getting things done and getting projects launched and measuring success for their efforts. It's obviously um, incredibly challenging at the kind of scales of large companies and um, competitive markets that we look at. Yeah, I mean, t- today's focus is uh, SEO and performance beyond the domain. I'd like to talk first about the, the sort of the difference, if you like, sort of how is enterprise SEO, you know, sort of SEO, which, which deals with large brands, uh, different to, quote, normal SEO? <laughs> sure. So um, certainly my experience from having made that transition from starting off with an agency, which initially was quite small and dealing with, SMEs and the smaller end of the high street brands going right up to dealing with FTSE 100 clients and some of the biggest brands on the planet, there is a definite distinction. And that's that when you're working on the smaller brands, they tend to be quite inwardly focused. They tend to be a little bit myopic in their view. And the the view of SEO realistically is here is us, here is our site, and here are our competitors and who's winning. And it's quite a binary view. It's are we winning or aren't we winning? And it's about who's ranking where for which keyword and whose domain outranks whose domain. There's maybe maybe some areas where they get a bit more sophisticated and there's a blog, there's some integration with other marketing channels. But generally speaking, the focus tends to be us versus them. I think the key difference I find at looking at enterprise um, SEO is that you start to enter the space where you're working with brands rather than just companies. And it's an interesting distinction. Um 
and it's it's quite hard to pin down exactly what it means, but I love this idea that the difference is that a brand has to think about and earn equity and that everything that they do has to represent them well and has um, not kind of affects in other channels and influences the way that people, their consumers and the wider audience perceive them. So it, it's you've got to think about that from an SEO perspective is actually what you're trying to influence is how well is this brand perceived, how well does this brand perform when a user searches for them. Mm. And that's that's a slightly different premise to where do we rank for this keyword. So it becomes bigger. You've got to take on uh, take into account things like reputation and mind share and all these kinds of angles. So the problem with this historically is the rest of the advertising and marketing world knows this and they understand it intrinsically because they've grown up in it. And we've crashed the scene and said, look at our highly measurable channel and look at um, all the great all the great things we can do and all the metrics it affects and then been utterly dismissive of things like reputation and even even typically fluffier things like column inches and those kinds of softer metrics we've been incredibly dismissive of them um because we've struggled to tie them back to our world and our way of thinking and as seo matures and increasingly the big brands the coca-colas of the world and the disney's of the world are starting to understand seo Sure, they're on page and their technical stuff isn't great and they're a bit behind, but they're starting to think about how can we affect the experience that people have when they search for our brand and the way they're approaching it in many ways is much more mature and sophisticated than the way we're still all fighting over who ranks where for which domain. So it's about thinking bigger and starting to treat SEO as something more than just rankings and traffic. Sure, that's still important because that's the mechanic for who wins and who loses and who comes out on top, but it's much wider than that as well. Okay, so it sounds quite uh, intricate, the sort of differences and the relationships. Sort of what does it mean in practical terms? Sure. So it's much more than being about where you rank and how you rank, and it's much more about the whole search experience. So there's um, the challenge we come up against quite often is, it, let's say you've gone through the process of optimizing your site, you're getting into the habit of creating content that people like and share and care about, et cetera, and you're ticking all the boxes and you rank highly for, or you or your domain ranks highly for the keywords that you're interested in. The problem that then starts coming up is what happens if the guy in second place or in third place or even if we're ranking in third, what happens about the guy ahead of us? What happens if their content is negative about our brand or our product? Mm. And that sure as hell influences whether people click your result and whether they buy with you and whether they shop with you. And you've got to control that as well. It's, suddenly, it's not enough just to outrank people. You've got to make sure that your brand is well represented in that content. And that's really the ethos. I mean, I, as an example, recently bought a new TV and um, I probably searched on two or three different devices over the period of a couple of different days. I must have opened 20 or 30 tabs, read probably twice that many reviews, hopped back and forth a bit between them. And ultimately, the TV I bought, I think it was a, a Samsung or LG or something, I never visited their website. Yeah, And actually, if you are a brand and you're in that position, again, so many of the SEO industry will look at their corporate kind of brochureware sites and laugh scornfully at them because they haven't optimized their sitemaps and sorted out their link building strategies. But actually, it's because that's not what SEO means to them. What SEO means to them is that whole experience that I just went through positively represented the brand and ultimately defined which TV I went for. I think I saw one fairly early through the research process that had a, a three-star review, and I instantly dismissed that from my consideration set. Now, if that brand had, say, 
positively influenced content other uh, elsewhere or promoted other stuff or advertised in a different way or had say display advertising on a site with a different view there's all these tools that they can deploy which affect the way in which i experience their brand as a result of searching and this goes well beyond what we conventionally perceive as seo but it goes in in other ways right back to the heart of it is i am somebody typing something in looking for a solution everything that happens from that point determines who I spend my money with. And why wouldn't we want to influence that and control it and start to manage that ecosystem a bit rather than just looking at how well is my very, very small slice of that pie performing? I'm glad I'm not the only one that has about 25 tabs open at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's just the way we behave now, isn't it? It's just, yeah. why would you only look at one piece of content? Why would you ever believe what the brand says? Why would you ever have faith in a five-star review that says 50,000 people have said it's great in capital letters? You know, you, you validate your research. And then even beyond this, you end up with the, um, the influence of the social space and peer review. And all of this is search. And all of this is what happens when people search. So you've got to have your eyes on all of it. And ultimately, because if you don't, all it takes is for a competitor or a comparator, for them to have their eyeballs on it. And if they are, say, engaging with the blog sphere and um, manipulating who's advertising where and mitigating negative content, then it doesn't take a lot for them to quite quietly just displace you and you'd never know about it. Mm. This is the kind of thing that you, you, nobody thinks about managing the entire ecosystem. So what happens if somebody else is doing it? You don't even see that your market share is getting eroded. You just gradually lose sales. Scary. A lot of our listeners are quite small uh, businesses, and this whole notion of um, the sort of SEO influence outside of your own site, you know, it seems to be really gaining pace and becoming more important recently. I'm just interested in strategies. What strategies? I mean, we talked about practicalities, but yep. what strategies can uh, sort of perhaps the smaller businesses, well, and the medium ones, look at to sort of leverage this for maximum benefit? Well, it's something we've been playing with a lot as an idea and trying to work out practically how it works. Um, the biggest challenge is you only know about what you can see and monitor and measure. So you've got to put an awful lot of work in up front, understanding how people search, how they behave, what the experiences are. And some of that is traditional keyword research. Some of it might be surveying and panel groups. Some of it might be eye tracking. It, it varies, but ultimately you need a comprehensive understanding of that entire journey. Um, from our side, a big part of that is really understanding the keyword universe. So making sure that you are tracking and monitoring huge volumes of keywords because people search on in so many different ways. We had a great example recently. We were looking at the um, car insurance industry, mm. um, which typically is perceived as being incredibly um, competitive and saturated. And it took us about 20 minutes, I think, having having previously researched the entire market. So we gathered hundreds of thousands of keywords, and we had a client who was looking at competing on um, young people's car insurance. And the maths said that it didn't make sense to go after that because there was only a finite amount of opportunity. Whereas actually, when you're looking at so many more keywords, you can see that, well, some people spell it wrong, some people pluralize it, some people use slightly different language. And actually... Yeah there was about 10 times as much search volume and interest as they thought there was for this one keyword. So you've got to stop thinking about where do we rank for this keyword and how much search volume is it and which should we optimize for and start thinking about user behaviors. And the keywords are what maps that out. You've got to have your eyeball on all of that. So 
we're working with sites who've moved from tracking six or 700 keywords, even some really huge brands who, if you think about the size of, say, the entire insurance industry, there are sure as hell more than 600 different ways that people type what they want into Google. So we've moved from there to upwards of, say, 30,000 30, or 40,000 keywords, which is a huge volume. Um, but it allows them to quite easily dip in and spot tactical opportunities. So yeah. this first step of making sure that you map out the entire industry and have eyeballs on which keywords are used, where are they ranking, how much search, how much search traffic is there, and where's the opportunity is um, definitely the benchmark for that. And it's incredibly powerful. We recently did uh, a show actually on localization. I'm just wondering how much that affects all this keyword research because if you've got people, I mean, if your brand is uh, multinational, yeah, I'm presuming that localization has effects. I mean, you know, someone in America <laughs> might search for, I don't know, car trunk boxes yep, no, as it, opposed it to boot boxes. Enormously. Exactly. So you get into this. Um, there's two really interesting things happen there. There's one, um, you get into language analysis, mm. which is something I'm working very hard on at the moment. Um, and There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We may release a tool at some point, but we have our prototyping um, infrastructure that analyzes keyword usage and categorizes it. So we can say, for example, that's a really great example. We can say the car trunk is the same as car boot, mm. which is to do with cars and automobiles, which if we look at another set of factors might be related to insurance, might be related to travel, and we can start to group and categorize those keywords. And what we can do then is say, right, we've got this 30,000 foot view where we can see all of these keywords and all of the opportunity, but actually we can dive right down and say, here is a subset of people who are looking for cars with large boots to do car rental at an airport and they are price sensitive and they are at this stage of the buying cycle. And there might be 20 keywords there mm. and there might only be a couple of thousand searches a month. But if you can quite quickly spot where in those spaces there's limited competition or weak content, it's not a huge amount of effort to set up um, a process where your content guys develop something that fills a gap and you do a bit of outreach around it. And you can quite um, strategically just set up workflows to capitalize on all these little niches. And obviously that adds up quite um, quite a lot over time. And because nobody's thinking at this level of scale particularly, 
there's so many of these little opportunities again around the young drivers car insurance i think um the example we spotted is the site ranking in second um had a page on young drivers car insurance that didn't have any links and didn't have any shares and it had about 200 words so mm-hmm. The only people who are winning in these kinds of micro niche spaces are the kind of people who are just there. Nobody's proactively owning it. So it's um, all the opportunity in the world to be had. And the other side of this is um, if we're moving beyond just looking at rankings and keywords and saying, actually, hold on, the experience of the searcher matters and the experience of the searcher on other people's sites and other people's content matters, then the other thing you've really got to have eyeballs on is a way of um, measuring that sentiment. So that's, again, something else that we're looking at quite heavily at the moment is how do you say, if I search for car insurance, in that search result, what's positive, what's negative, are they predisposed towards or against my brand, are they positive or negative against competitors? Um, are they male? Are they female? Are they a blogger? Is it a forum? And starting to say, okay, we know that there are X thousand people searching for this product with these kinds of behaviors, and this percentage are negative, this percentage are positive, and then you can start tactically acting on that. So you can say, actually, what we want to do is find the really, really positive people who aren't ranking really well, because we can partner with them and we can promote them, or we want to find the negative people. In fact, one of the most powerful things is we want to find the neutral people who are quite popular and doing really well, and we want to make friends with them. So you've got this, these two ideas playing together. Is One is have this eyeball over everything and make sure that you can categorize all of it and spot the opportunities. And the other half is find out of that what's good and bad. And then you've just got a process of let's tackle the biggest issue and the biggest opportunity. And that becomes a, a day-to-day thing. You know, you turn up, you, you look at the, either the, the biggest negative threat or the biggest positive opportunity, and you start cracking on with content and outreach. It becomes a nice framework. It really is a way of thinking, isn't it? These these sort of kinds of strategy. You've got to get your thinking right. What are the challenges <laughs> on executing this type of thought process? Um, it, it's the same challenges that um, conventional SEO and the SEO of now has, is that even where we are today and where most people are trying to push SEO forwards to is a space that most businesses and organizations aren't set up to deal with. So the biggest challenge of that is departmentalization and siloing. So any established business that's been around for longer than SEO has, which let's face it is most of them, certainly anything older than a decade or so, um, will typically have a marketing team, a call center, uh, a suite of managers, et cetera, et cetera. And when you, when you, try and say, okay, what we need to do, guys, is start becoming a publisher, which means that we need the PR guys to be able to be friends with the marketing guys. We need to talk to the product guys because it turns out nobody actually knows enough about what we sell to be able to talk about in any depth. Mm. We need the legal guys to be able to sign it off. We need the CEO to buy into the vision. We're suddenly introducing this requirement, which has to permeate every aspect of the business yeah, and change ways of thinking and change behaviors in a way that doesn't give an immediate tangible reward in the same way that changing staffing operations in a call center might, for example. So you're asking upfront for huge organizational change and changes in ways of thinking as well as acting. So it's it's incredibly hard work to get that across. And one of the big pitfalls that seems to occur is that when you do finally get buy-in, the organization will say, okay, we'll test this in some small way. We'll set up a small working group and we'll we'll try a few bits of sample content. And they might write two or three blog posts and Obviously, it achieves nothing. It falls flat on its face because this is a, a process and a way of working that needs to build up equity over time. So you find even the people who aspire to do it well, it's still too big of a risk and a big, a too big a change. 
And smaller business have a, businesses have a great opportunity because they've got less infrastructure, less overhead, less entrenched thinking. Um, you can be a bit more dynamic and disruptive, so you can um, take the chance to shake things up a bit. And that's absolutely what we're seeing in the space at the moment is you've got this real, real war between the established giants who have a phenomenal amount of brand equity, which gives them – it opens doors for them. It gives them buy-in from um, established publications. It gives them better relationships. but they struggle to do and they struggle to talk about anything interesting other than themselves. And then you've got the agile little guys who are fighting to be heard, but what they've got to say is really, really interesting. And it presents this really fascinating mix in the search results. Um, uh, I suspect, and we've certainly heard from Google, that they have this keen focus on the concept of brands. And I wonder what their plans are to mitigate against this disparity where actually the big guys are the guys you should probably shop with because they're validated that they are authorities, et cetera, but they don't say anything. They don't have anything interesting to say because they operationally can't. I mean, I've worked with big brands and spent years trying to find out enough about the product to be able to write something genuinely interesting about it. <laughs> and that nobody's the marketing guys we've worked with haven't known who to ask in the organization. Oh, we don't know who knows about the product. Oh, great. That's <laughs> how, on, how on earth do you become a publisher then? So, absolutely terrifying. Um, so yeah, you've got this whole challenge of departmentalization and cross team, cross disciplines. There's no way of dealing that with that other than to get the buy in and make it happen. There's no magic recipe for changing organizations overnight. Um, the part that bolts onto that, which um, is more of a practical challenge, is that when you're thinking at this scale, um, you're not talking about our website or the website. You're talking about 20 different websites, six different blogs, three campaign sites that somebody's forgotten about. Um, we're working with a client at the moment who has, they think, tens of thousands of domains, but doesn't have any idea what or where or how to find out. Um, what do you do with an SEO in that position? Where do you start changing keywords and page titles when you've got 40,000 websites? Mm. Um so there's a huge amount of education around um, rethinking about how do we deal with different platforms, how do we deal with the underlying technologies, how do how do we prioritise content strategies? Often there's um, a lot of investigation just to get to the bottom of what does our digital ecosystem look like, and then you've got to apply this model of prioritisation across all these different territories. Um, and then the other bit you tend to find is that actually these brands tend to have child brands or part be part of an umbrella company mm. so you've got hierarchies of politics there as well and actually do you start at the little campaign site um the only advice i can give is find the bit you can manipulate and show some re um, results on that and that might be the blog that nobody reads or it might be the campaign site from the product that was taken off the shelves a year ago but you can find your way in and start to wriggle around and make a bit of impact but it's certainly not a process that um that changes overnight so yeah um organizations funny the ever-shifting um, landscape of search and the ever-shifting landscape of what we do to try and do well in it. Yep. But, uh, it's interesting actually mentioned about uh, you know, large organisations and the importance of different groups talking to each other. It seems to be, a, I guess it was always important, but it seems to be becoming even more important in SEO these days, isn't it? Yeah, and rightly so. Um, if I search for something on the internet, I want to find the quote-unquote brand who is passionate, enthusiastic, an expert, cares about quality, has good customer service. And if historically you've got two types of people in that space, you've got the people who are that and are already doing it and as a result of doing that are publishing, are consumer-centric and are doing a great job. And you've got the people who aren't, who have been historically handing over a lump sum of cash to agencies and third parties month on month on month to try and get them to build up that footprint. And 
I think it, for the for the searcher, it's certainly a good thing that the people who really live it and breathe it do it. If companies aren't there and aren't aren't being consumer centric and aren't answering questions and fulfilling needs and shaping themselves to what the consumers are searching for, it's increasingly difficult to outsource that, to manipulate it, to do it in small ways. I think it, that's that's really great. It makes everybody's life very hard because the reality is not all companies behave like that. An awful lot of companies are set up around. Um, having to sell things, having business models that are based on tight margins who can't afford necessarily to have a huge customer service experience, businesses who are outright designed not to, things like it's a dirty sector, but the cash loans industry is really interesting that they're not even remotely interested in reputation and customer feedback. And actually their business model, it prohibits it based on the margins and the overheads. So yeah, yeah, it, it's a really hard game to play, but if you want to win, you've got to show that you care and you've got to show that you're good at what you do. And for better or worse, the medium that we do that with is words on a page. Well, John, thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure that our listeners will find those insights useful. How can our listeners find out more about you and more about Linkdex? Uh, so um, www.linkdex.com is our website. Um, you can get in touch with us there. We do um, monthly uh, mini conference events as well. I think the next one's in September. We're taking a bit of break over summer. But mm-hmm. if you sign up on the website, um, you can get access to videos from previous ones, etc. We're on Twitter. There's loads of really great thought leadership there. Um, I'm at John Alderson on Twitter. I tend not to be very great at social, but um, I do say the odd occasionally interesting thing, hopefully. So um, feel free to get in touch there. But um, thank you very much for having me, and it's been um, been very interesting. It's been an absolute pleasure. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, sitevisibility.com slash podcast. As always, there's a place to go to find us on the web. Um, if you've got questions, then send them to podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. If you want to ask a question audially, is that a word? Then phone <laughs> plus 441273256150. And of course, you'll find us on iTunes. And we love reviews and ratings on iTunes. So it's goodbye from me, Andy White. And it's goodbye from Jono. Goodbye. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing.